Testing. <laughs> Welcome to the conversations um, with Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galina. Hello. We're really excited to start our inaugural podcast um, where we pose a question and we converse the topics on a myriad of things from <laughs> style all the way through to culture and society and almost everything in between. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So a little bit of background about both of us. My name is Henrietta Galina. I am a marketeer by trade. I've been working in marketing uh, in the fashion space for almost 12 years now. And I'm really excited to start this podcast with Jason. We are two friends who converse a lot about the state of many things, a lot of which is fashion. And so we thought, why not just put it down on audio and, you know, keep talking about these kind of issues that we have been talking about every meetup. Absolutely. And let's speak to people who can help inform our opinions and move the conversation on. And my name is Jason Campbell, and I work as a stylist and a journalist by trade. Uh, Henrietta and I have known each other for a few years now. Yeah. And, and as she expressed, yes, we are acutely interested in the business of fashion, um, issues surrounding culture globally, and just all sorts of these, along the lines of the arts and so forth. And so we'll be discussing a host of these issues over the duration of these podcasts. And uh, we're very excited to dive into this first one, a very kind of a macro issue, wouldn't you say, Henrietta? Absolutely. And for this one, we pose the question, is fashion in a state of disintegration? Disintegration. Very big question. <laughs> and what I like about these conversations is there'll be a lot that's said. There'll be a lot that changes. There'll be a lot that remains the same. There'll be a lot that we'll follow up with, both together and with others. But it's a good starting point because I think that as 2017 draws to a close, there's been a lot. There's been a There's lot. There's been a lot that's been going on. Absolutely. That literally makes me wonder, where is this going? Well, precisely. And it's not, this is not an accident how we end up here to be having this conversation. Because I have to express to you, Henrietta, is that everywhere I go, I travel loads. I mean, all the cities, all the capital cities. And everyone is sitting down and wants to talk about the state of things and the future of things. And quite honestly, I don't have all the answers. My curiosity is there. But it's so important for me to reach out to an audience, our audience now, um, to gather their thoughts on these issues that we'll be discussing because things are changing so rapidly. The, the paradigms are shifting and we, we just don't have the answers, but we certainly do have a lot of questions. I think like most things, there is no answer. There's no singular answer or formula. I think what this really is about, um, which is also kind of part of the theme of this podcast, is collaboration, you know, collective voices. And, you know, ours are just two. We don't claim to have any answers or know anything, but we definitely have opinions. And so I guess to kind of dive into the topic at hand, fashion, I mean, it's good and it's bad. And I'm not sure if one outweighs the other at this point. I think the general demeanor, um, having just come off the back of Spring Summer 18 Fashion Month, the general demeanor is overall negative, um, if I'm honest. Just the kind of behind the scenes conversations. There's a lot of eye rolling. There's a lot of, ugh, 
going on. Um, I would like to kind of have this conversation kind of pulling from two ends. I want to talk about the negative and the positive because with all of that negativity, it's also offset by a bunch of, you know, opportunity. I love that digital has allowed, you know, fashion to be more democratic. I really like that small businesses that never would have existed in an old guard infrastructure is thriving. So there's a lot of good, but, you know... (laughs) there's also the other there's definitely the other people are losing their optimism let's start with that okay you mentioned something in the in the previous statement there about um the digital space and let's just dive into that but let's call it the elephant in the room technology has been the big disruptor in this space and with the advent of technology in 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 fashion so much has changed and we you know we asked about the disintegration. Uh, We didn't mean to necessarily make that loaded, but let's talk about the changes as a result of of technology, for example. Uh, With technology, it has completely splintered the people, splintered the audience that can participate in this game. The barrier to entry in fashion has been lowered so incredibly that people like Chira Ferragani, for example, I I may have butchered that name, Henrietta, excuse me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Someone like that has been able to literally take fashion by storm. A young woman who's consistently posting images of her cute self on her Instagram page has now catapulted that profile into a multi-million dollar business that now sees her with her own formidable line targeting the audience that helped her to come up. Something like that has been so significant and tremendous. And I have to say, her persona, her personality has trumped so many other veteran fashion players that we know. The fashion directors, the creative directors, so many of those names are hardly known compared to hers. Yeah, and I would say that it's great. Everyone can really create their own identity. You know, I am a model. I am a designer, I am an editor, without the need for sign-off from the establishment. That's amazing. I think the Kira Frangis, the, you know, the army songs, those big influencers who are making big business on a macro level is really obviously brilliant. That's good for them. But on a micro level, I think how it's empowered and emboldened us all. I was telling you prior to recording about, you know, my little sister. Mm. She has two children. She puts them to bed at eight, between the hours of eight and two. She is sewing her collection. She has an Etsy store. She has an Instagram. She has a PayPal account. She has a business. She doesn't really need a lot of the tools or to pander to the, the old guard pillars of, you know, needing advertising to be in the you know glossy publications, having access to gatekeepers like the Anna Winters and the big editors, you know, having budget to be at a fashion month to do a show. Like right. she could completely bypass all of that. Absolutely. And absolutely have a kind of uh, what we hope will be a very big, scalable business. I think that size is obviously is very subjective, but right. to have a scalable business, which is really the hope and the dream. So I think that it's such a life-changing thing that I think shouldn't be overlooked when we then talk about <laughs> the negatives. Well, it's true. And to that point, the, the example that you just gave about your sister, that I think that's hugely 
important. Here is a woman who, if she wanted to do what she's currently doing, she had to infiltrate the fashion business and take those steps that you just elucidated uh, there to become successful. Well, she couldn't have done that 10 years ago. She could absolutely could not. However, here she is currently. She may be existing in a silo, but she is creating something that is rewarding for her. She has targeted and is reaching an audience that is out there that they, you know, her business continues. So they must, uh, they're liking what she's doing. And here she's able to have a formidable business. And she's just one example, a platform like an Etsy, for example. I mean, there's, there's thousands Mm -hmm. of creatives on there. People who would fancy themselves, you know, fashion players, but it has nothing to do with the fashion industry as we have known it historically. That's what I love. This to me is what makes me very excited because I feel like the establishment as the old guard was, you know, it was all about control and hierarchy. Whereas now it's all about, you know, culture and kindness and empowerment. These platforms are empowering you to be anyone and be anywhere and do what you want. And I think that in itself is the disruptor. Like we're all content creators. We are all small business owners. We are all entrepreneurs, which actually most entrepreneurs hate that because that I think is the last establishment to fall where they're like, you know, just because you have an Instagram account doesn't make you an entrepreneur. (laughs) I get it. But loosely speaking, you know, we are what we want to be. We can name ourselves. And I think that that's really special. So wait, let's break this down then, Henrietta. Are we then talking about the old guard feeling insecure and throwing their hands in the air and are fleeing the industry because they can't compete? They can't use these new modern tools to communicate to their audience, to message to whatever. And then we've ushered in a whole new guard who have a certain facility with these, you know, with these tools and are essentially taking over you know are we talking about a clear divide like that oh i think that's so nuanced because okay there is definitely a mass exodus in fashion and let's underscore that there is a mass exodus we have to we have to highlight that there absolutely (laughs) is i mean what directly impacts what i'll let everyone else kind of try to carve out their own opinion about that but my opinion is that The mass exodus of fashion, I think, has to do with the role of fashion itself, personally. Okay. Um, I do believe, really speaking to your question is, I think there's space for all of us. So I don't think that, you know, this new influx of influencers and and tastemakers and editors and writers, I don't think that that is, I think it's pushing against the old guard. Okay. You know, trying to make them evolve, Mm. you know, you have to be part of the conversation. You will get left behind. So there's merit to that. But ultimately, I think there's room for everyone. I think the mass exodus of fashion is that there are just more options. It's just we've evolved to a point where there's more options. And, you know, I hear so many people saying, well, I'm not saving lives or like, you know, I could get paid more if I worked for a VC or if I went to tech or, you know, oh, this feels very, you know, vapid or vacuous. So I think that we have to talk about the role of fashion. I think I know I personally got into fashion because I was someone who never fit in. I was always that like awkward, tall, dark-skinned girl that like didn't really have a place in her current kind of landscape. And I looked to fashion for escapism. I looked to fashion. It just looked like this place that... Um, just embraced the different and the other and it was so creative and everyone had something to say and it was such a important narrative of culture for me and 
I kind of got into it and as it evolved, I was like, this is literally the antithesis of what I thought this was. Like, it was very clicky. It was very, you know, um, it was very kind of... um, It's like a playground mentality in many ways. Yeah, and it was very much, you know, there was... I like to call it the Anna Winter culture, not anything against Anna Winter personally, but just this idea that there are, you know, a clique of gatekeepers that basically decide what's cool, what's beautiful, what's on, what's hot, which, you know. But, but to that to that point, though, there was a time when, though there were gatekeepers in this sort of rigid hierarchical system, what was being produced, what was coming out of that system, just brought just just brought so much joy. I mean, this was the age of the Gianni Versace and the the Christian you're talking about a different and lens, the 80s, in the eighties, you know, um, you're talking uh, about Chanel. a different lens, though, because what I'm talking about is that gatekeeper that's attached to the business. It's attached to big business so it's who has access who gets seen who gets visibility I'm talking about that level of gatekeeper where it's like you know if you didn't have access to said people you didn't exist you didn't have an Instagram you didn't have a Facebook you didn't have any of these things that allowed you to have access to the outer world fine you may not have had access but it didn't stymie any creativity, though you may not have been interfacing with the Anna Wintours and the French Vogue editors of the world, you were st- you could still be in Brooklyn or in 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 you know in the outskirts of Paris in the Ben Lou, and you're designing things and creating something. And you felt that you could still dream and still participate in this creative world of fashion. So though like and and you felt that maybe you could get there at one point or another. Um, I, that energy doesn't exist any longer, and I think I'm seeing the I think I'm seeing the sort of gatekeeping um, entity a little bit differently from 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 you in this instance. I mean, you could argue that you're almost more emboldened to to dream because you you can kind of manifest that for yourself without all of these kind of external pillars that we used to rely on, you know, 10, 20 years ago. But the financial demand I mean, of that the it's financials, like it's very different than it was 25, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Even. Yeah, I mean, the economics of living in 2017, particularly in the biggest cities of like the Parises, the Londons, the Milans, the New York Cities, it's... Right. it's I can't believe that there used to be a time when you used to live in Soho because you were an artist or a designer. Oh. Like, so I think that that the economic changes, it, it's slightly in a different bucket. Um, you know, you can't come to New York to be a designer. You have to live somewhere else because it's not sustainable. You're too busy Precisely. trying to make rent or trying to, you know, you don't even have money to network. You've got to do too many things. Precisely. I think the burnout that you're talking about in terms of creativity also comes from, um, you know, there is a kind of level of consumerism where you are designing what, like, up to 32 collections a year. You're doing a thousand and one collaborations. You're designing for the buyers. You're designing for street style. You're, blo- you're designing for influencers. Oh, okay. You're designing for celebrities. Okay. This is, you, you know, now everyone's doing bridal. Like, do you remember when people used to do inspiration trips? Oh, my, exactly. Like, I, I wanted to be a designer so that I can exactly. like, go to India and Marrakesh and like... Do, 
No one does that. No one does that anymore. You don't have time to sleep. And I think that you've just made uh, um, an important um, step into another bucket here, and that's the the creativity bucket. And you just broke down the role of creativity right now. What is creativity? You are literally churning out in, in the historically creative roles in fashion. What those roles have become like now is that you're just churning out merchandise. Oftentimes, the merchandise that was successful the prior season Season and the season prior to that. How many sweatshirts can you design and feel that you're being creatively stimulated? Let's not hate on a sweatshirt. How, you know, I love a sweatshirt. How many shifts and sheath dresses can you design before you, t- you go literally numb? I think you're talking about process versus output. I think everyone's looking at the end goal, which is to be on street style, to be worn on an influencer and that's what you're designing oh, no, no, for. No, 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 not, not entirely. No, no, no. I'm speaking I, about, actually I'm speaking about commerce. I'm speaking about what's going to end up on the store floor and literally slip its way into clients' closet uh, and how easy the brands and said designers um, are able to achieve that. And that comes, at least in recent years, that has come about not through going back to the well and creating something fresh and something different and something new, it means going literally back to those old sketches and say, this is what sold last season in X amount of units. Let's bring that back this season in navy blue. That's called the business of fashion, unfortunately. I think that fashion designers don't dictate or lead culture like they did before. Okay. That's not what that that's oh, not the okay. game that, that this is now. Okay. It's all about the end user. It's like As a designer, you want to be in the roundup of best fashion street style. You want to be on the best dress on the red carpet. You want to be, almost you want to be copied by the retailers to validate your designs, but you also want to sell. So you know that if you sold X amount of sweatshirts in grey, you're going to have it in every shade of grey the next season. (laughs) Like it's, It's just the basic economics. And you usually have a businessman CEO who is demanding that you do better than you did last year like we're in a culture of you know you're fired you know it goes beyond a a Donald Trump analogy but it's like you see everything from sports team coaches through to creative directors to CEOs like you have you have maybe two or three seasons before you are fired right like there is no there is no carving out um your your vision for the house or for the brand it's very much like we are dropping you from Barney's. Precisely. We are, you're fired from your position. And so we're constantly living on this, on that fear. It's like the fear of keeping your job. It's the fear of making money. It's the fear. And I think that's the energy that we felt at Fashion Month where everyone is thinking that this bubble is going to burst, you know, like, you know, who's converting, who's not converting, like who's going to find out what. It's just, it's a very tenuous time. You see in your delivery, you don't mention anything about a creativity it's you know you're you're mentioning about like how no one has to, time for that <laughs> you're talking about oh how to make it happen and in that the designer the designers yesteryear that i know they thrived they thrived on getting their sensibility uh um out there and they're 
distinct sensibility out there, not just like, oh, well, this is like Michael Kors, so therefore look in my direction. No. So we, we're not even having conversations anymore about a designer coming into this industry and doing something incredibly fresh and may actually have the opportunity to sell those things because it's unique, it's original, and it's different, and it's it's new. What 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 a concept. Um, where, where maybe those... we just ran out of ideas. Like maybe 2017. Oh, like you look at brands like you look at you look at designers like Vetmont. I'm not I kid you not. I don't okay, know. let's break down Vetmont actually. That's a really, really great example. How this figures into this age. I don't know if down. they are I don't know if it is laziness or if it is just I don't know. It's like cubism. Maybe, you know, we'll be talking about this in 20 years as like, you know, them being geniuses of their time. But I I literally looked at the, you know, when they were doing the DHL t-shirts and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, putting other people's logos on their clothes. I, in in my head, there was a, there's a kind of SNL type sketch of, (laughs) of the designers, like the design team literally getting their DHL delivery and being like, we'll do that. That's the look. And, and I'll sell it for five hundred pounds. I did think about the creativity thing, and I was just like, "We've we've run out. The well has run dry." And and there's all and this we're done. trickery. It's like trickery. See, but that's the thing that I think we'll be debating. I think time will tell. But that's the thing we'll be debating as to it's um, it's either so intelligent and something to be talked about and debated uh, and in some sort of curriculum. Or it's that basic as they got they got lazy. I I I'm somewhere in between well, because you know, I it, it'll have resonance. I'm trying to be optimistic. It'll have resonance to our time for sure. I think you know when you break down the millennial profile and where a vet more fits into that, I think that'll make um that will make some sense for sure. As you see how they have embraced it without question. They Who's have embraced it? The millennials. The, but and, have but, they but, really? Second, I would love to see how much they're it. actually selling because who has that kind of money though? Well, really? they, they, they have embraced it and apparently the sell-through is significant. But here's what the millennials, they're not even challenging these designs. They think that is actually new and cool. They're not looking at the predecessor of, of, the, of these things. They're not looking at the Margiela's and even the Vivian Westwoods of the world, particularly Margiela. Margiela is really the leitmotif for, for Evetmo, but they don't have that sense of reflection, this audience. They are just digesting it because it's uh, ironic and it has this you know, the, the, the cosine of someone like a Yeezy, you know? So it's, 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 I think is a lot more of a shallow deducing than say from my era where you're really dealing with the rigorous design process. You see the innovation in design. You see the, the new ideas that are being presented. Now it's just like, oh, it's just a little, okay, well, that's Instagrammable. That looks cool, wonderful. You know, look, look, look at how Alexander Wang was embraced so quickly, so importantly, and look at his stunning um, sort of fallout because ultimately he didn't stand for very much, but just a cool concept, a cool culture, more, more, more accurately. And I think it's kind of the same for Vetmont. I think they have a, they've been able to kind of create this cool culture, but I don't think it ultimately comes down to the designs. I think it's just a, a sleigh of hand that has... But then you could argue that I think with the rise of digital and social media, is there more to fashion than just the clothes? than just the design? Is it really about creating a brand, creating a culture, creating a world around everything whereby it it's not just, stay with me, it's not just about 
the garment or the process it took to make the garment. It is like, to your point about Alexander Wang, I would I would tend to differ from that in the sense that he, out of any kind of designer that's come up around his time, any kind of more recent designer, he's executed on the fact that he's created a a, a very distinctive culture around his brand. Uh, surrounding cool parties? Yeah. <laughs> Henrietta, basically. Henrietta, the, let's ask a little bit more of our youth culture, please, the, my dear. The, the whole, like, his whole spiel. Really, Henrietta? Really, Henrietta? You're saying that because he has cool parties in fucking parking lots, that that is his, that he has created a culture that has never been established before. He's been able to corral the cool models of the day in a parking lot. And we have arrived in terms of an influential uh, uh, designer of our time. I never forget said, about the clothes. Come on. I ne- no, I didn't say forget about the clothes. I didn't say he was in any ways pushing culture forward. What I said was he has created his own culture around his brand. And that has currency today. It's all about Hi. creating a and world that allows you to sell product. I think that... Um, well, he's not selling those products anymore. <laughs> because, as I expressed before, the foundation by on which it was built was a very shallow foundation. It was essentially based on t-shirts, if you recall. Th- those t-shirts are what really established Alexander Wang as a as a brand, the t-shirts and the parties, of course. So I'm sorry, I can't give him a pass by saying that he, you know, he designed some cool t-shirts that I happen to still own a few of. Um, and that is the new age, that is the brand of our age. No. But this is the conversation. This is the argument, right? Because we now live in a very democratic fashion society. So who's to say that a well-constructed t-shirt is less valuable than the most intricate, meticulous couture dress? That's where we are. We can live in these very um, polar opposites with everything else in between. Like, I think that there is absolute merit in design and creating a brand where you're you know it's it's built off basics or it's also built off brand like I do think that there's merit in that today because it's about building a world it's about building a vision because you have so many platforms that these brands have to live on you you make uh it's you make a, a point 100 but I I still won't let you off the hook yes if you're creating of this age, you are your requirements are different. Yes, it, establishing a community and a culture. I mean, our Instagram are, are are part of that establishment. You know what I mean? It's a part of establish and establishing a culture around your brand. But still, I will not just because the rules are different now. I'm not going to make it less important for if we're to keep design in its distinct lane, which it still exists. If we're to keep to keep design in this distinct lane, I'm not going to equate a t-shirt design with a couture uh, dress uh, um, design at, at, at all. I think it's very different. And I think that could be a part of the problem, um, Henrietta, in that we're sort of like rolling everything up into one. Well, designing a dress and, show, and having a party or having a cool model in your campaign is really not the same thing. Not to diminish it, the, the, those, the importance of those features now, but it's not the same thing. And we're still in the business of fashion design. And my issue with the current landscape is that the designers are not actually creating new 
interesting, proper design. See, I base. would argue that we are now in the business of fashion. I wouldn't say we're in the business of fashion design. I'd say we're in the business of fashion because I really do stand by what I'm saying. And, and, I, you know, I, and I have to say, as A, as someone who is a, a very casual dresser, <laughs> I live for a sweatshirt and a well-crafted t-shirt oh, and I'll pay for it. And, and that, but that to me is, that that's my aesthetic. And okay. I love, I, like for me, it could be, you know, it could be a Rick Owens interpretation. It could be a Wang interpretation. It could be the row. I mean, they're selling that stuff for like, phenomenal amounts of money sure. right mm-hmm. I think that that is just a personal preference right I don't dress in gowns I don't dress up I respect it and I absolutely appreciate the craft but I do think that there is craft and integrity in the basics as well having that be well done well sourced well crafted having the narrative around that told to me in a way that makes sense from that coming from the agency world I cannot tell you how many brands and designers have perfectly wonderful collections. Some that I'm obsessed with, some that I'm like, meh, it's not my style, but, you know, it's well done. They cannot tell a story for love nor money. They get nowhere. They cannot create content, Mm -hmm. or they don't want to create content. They get nowhere. They don't want to launch on social media. They get nowhere. It's the business that we're in today. It takes more than having good clothes. You can have good clothes that are amazing and still not get anywhere. I think it's 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 about having a really good formula of all of the elements. I'm not by any means saying that like we should just have like, you know, brands made of shit, like, you know, just, you know, random pieces of clothing that are really badly made. Right. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I think in today's um, hyper-digital social media um, climate, it is really having a massively 360 perspective on all, all of those elements. Okay, and that, that's a very good point. And it's actually, this is, this is an important point for us to then go back to what this thesis, <laughs> this thesis that we established at the, at the beginning of this conversation. You were saying that there are all these requirements for your new age uh, executive or fashion, uh, fashion player. That in and of itself is part of the reason for the exodus. Like, if you come into this business as a fashion designer and all of a sudden you have to turn around and be like this, this rock star marketer or this, this you know, this phenomenal you know, social networking um, uh, person, those, those are requirements that are like almost out of your purview. Like, that's, th- th- those are different jobs entirely. And that's also part of like, well, wait a minute, where are we going with this format? You know, you seem to embrace and you're also, you know, a generation younger than myself, but you seem to have embraced the diversification of the roles that we have to inhabit. Um, in a way, I'm like, well, no, to what end? That I feel would further drive uh, some of the talents out of this business because they don't want to be bloody marketers and they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to step in front of the cameras in some instances. But, but do you not think that you have to navigate the landscape that's in front of you? That's just what it is. Well, uh, not necessarily, you know, not necessarily either. One of the, we just spoke about how players are going into, are operating into niches. You know, they are taking their business in their charge. It's more modest. They're producing at a, at a scale that they can, that they can deliver on and so on and so forth. No, in many ways they are going 
out of the system and are and are developing their own um they're developing their own approach that they don't necessarily have to inhabit all of these roles that you have broken down in order to be successful and never mind to be judged by i don't think a fashion designer is being judged by his instagram acumen at this stage, or at least shouldn't be. That's my opinion. I mean, what you're talking about isn't necessarily specific to designers. I mean, look at what's happening with editors. It's like, if you are not popping on social, (laughs) you're out of a job, mate. (laughs) Like, bye. It's intense. Like, people are being replaced by superstars. Like, and like you said, you know, stylists and the new designers, you know, influencers, the new editors. Like, yes. That is today's game. And I think that that is a big part of the mass exodus where people are like, do you know what? It's just not worth it. Or I worked too damn hard to get here to be overrun by someone with a big Instagram account. Whatever the reason, I just think that this is the game. You either play it or you don't. I, I don't think anyone's forced to do anything. I, I just, I'm just a really big believer in, um, in, in the evolved ways it takes to succeed. And I think that, um, being a marketeer, being a showman, being a social media star is a part and parcel of where we are today. It's the like I I couldn't do it. I'm on it. I tell you honestly, if I was a designer and I needed to, you know, be on every panel and take so many selfies and have a, a massive, massive social, I couldn't do it. I don't have the personality for it. That's also why I'm not a designer. And well, and that's the thing. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned a key point there, the personality. And I, I think that's in, in large part what we're speaking about here. Having the personality, the wherewithal to be able to occupy all these, all of these roles. And I see it. I see someone like uh, Zach Posen, who's very active on uh, the social networking platforms. You know, you see him capturing those fittings and publishing them. And also, you know, while he's on Project Runway and publishing all those things. And still, I'm like, wait, and you're still designing all these dresses? I I don't know if it's a sustainable thing and I don't even know if it's respectable. Well, I mean, that is just part of the job. I really do believe that. He has a TV show. He has a collection. He's trying to give people access so that they consume and then want more. It's really no different. And this could be a weird sort of thing to say, but... If you look at designers back in the day, if you look at like the McQueens, even the Galliano's, like the pressures are the pressures of the pressures, regardless of on what medium they're on, whether it's the pressure to be social media savvy and be everywhere on those different platforms, whether it's just the pressures of, you know, needing to make a thousand collections a year or, you know, being in the publications, being on the red carpet, being impressed, being, you know, the pressures get to that. The pressures have always gone to people in the industry. I think it's just manifesting itself differently now because we have all these other platforms. And it's it's really kind of um, magnified in a way because now we see everything, we know everything. Like we didn't know what was happening before because we had editors who were the gatekeepers who told us what they wanted to tell us. Absolutely. Now we kind of see behind the, the veil has been lifted. And that is the reason, Henrietta, that I'll move to the next bucket. And that being uh, the fashion professionals choosing better lifestyles. They're choosing more rewarding. I'm hearing that tons. Oh no, I'm leaving fashion. I'm becoming a yoga teacher. Oh no, I'm leaving fashion. I'm moving to Vermont and and becoming a farmer. Or no, I'm leaving fashion. Um, I need more money, like a better quality Uh, of life. 
so many people. I'm going to be a VC. Like I'm going to make that Uber money. I'm going to work in finance and like and and up my salary. There there is a bit of that as well. And when there's when they they're moving to somewhere like a finance, is not they're not going to really want to give up their quality of life either. They want to make more money, but they want to work in a in a vertical that is rewarding to them. And I think what finance is it's actually an interesting example in that it's almost as though the math adds up. You know, you get your commission based on what you know on what investments are made and so on and so forth. Um, but I, why not make a charitable charitable donation, write off your taxes, sit on a board of a couple of nonprofits while making some money? Wham bam! Like, what is the? It really raises the question: What is the role of fashion it, that, in in today's world? Because if you are not pushing culture forward, if you are not reflecting it, I mean, on a really basic level, the industry is so late to the game on many things: on tech, on adopting, you know, new technologies, um, new platforms, but also speaking out against any sort of social, cultural, racial anything issue because they're really scared about losing those customers and I I actually tend to think it's the opposite I think if you don't stand for something you stand for nothing and therefore I'm not going to fuck with you so I really do believe that that is a big part of what is fashion look at everything that is happening fashion is always the last to run to come to the table and then you have things like the Donna Karen thing like right like right, are you joking that's a, that's a joke that yes. was I mean, that to me is a big reason why people are like, mm, I might be done with fashion. Yes, and a lot of people have certifiably handed in their fashion card and have moved on. And I'm feeling that that's where we're going to see more and more of that. And I have to say, uh, amongst my demographic, you know, I'm in my 40s and this, it feels like sort of like the last opportunity for for a lot of my peers. They're like, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to make a significant change in my life, the time is now. I have another 10 to 15 years uh, proper in a career. Let me make a meaningful change right now that is going to uh, that's going to impact my life uh, better than how the fashion industry is currently doing it. And I, you know, I think we broke it down quite a handful of the reasons why, but they they are gone. They're leaving. They're out. Well, I don't know. I think that I guess to kind of circle it back, I think that again there are positives and there are negatives. And I think if there's one thing that fashion does, it's constantly change and evolve and come back around. I'm still hopeful that the heyday of fashion, like when it was, you know, exactly how I saw it when I was growing up, I really hope and kind of see that coming. I think it's also about the the people you surround yourself with. I, I have so many talented friends who want to do more, want to want to achieve more and want more for others. And, and so I'm hopeful, especially with the rise of social causes being at the core of businesses. If you look at brands like Mayette, Eden, Warby Parker, I'm somewhat hopeful that fashion will regain its sense of place in pushing culture forward. I will give a nod to your optimism. <laughs> I have You're to like, but we're all going to have. <laughs> but I have to say, though, I, re- I-, I will call bullshit. Oh. <laughs> well, on that note, I think, I think we're done. <laughs> on that note, um, uh, Henrietta, we will, though, continue to pose the questions and converse on the issues. Absolutely.